0: Sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please? Well, time's coming when we're going to have to handy up. Handy up and kick in like men. Like men! It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports. With the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. Mahomes look at the takes it in for the touchdown. And college football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Giannis fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Limbias, Bias, Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace.
1: Wendell's World is Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. So glad that you could be with us. Special dedication for those who are listening to my podcast in New Zealand. Special dedication for those who are listening to my podcast in Oklahoma City. Special dedication for those who are listening to my podcast in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Special dedication for those who are listening to my podcast in the DMV. Special dedication for those who are listening to my podcast all over the globe. I thank you. So doggone much. Could you do me a favor, if you would, please? If you are listening to this program, if you are listening to this podcast and you like what you're listening to, if you could do me a favor, if you could tell somebody, hey, man, you want to hear the most unique, entertaining, thought provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to? Brother, do I got something for you? Wendell's World of Sports. If you would. I would very much appreciate that. And, of course, if you're listening anywhere where you're listening to your favorite podcast, if you're listening to Wendell's World of Sports on Spotify or Amazon or iTunes or iHeart, anywhere, do me a favor. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Most importantly, enjoy the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to. Man, if you do that, it would just make my day, man. It really would. It most definitely would. Wendell's world in sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Okay, let me apologize for last week. I didn't do a podcast last week. Here's the here's the deal. Here's what happened. I was going to do my podcast on Tuesday, right? No, I was going to do. My, yes, right. I was going to do my podcast on Tuesday because this past weekend I was. um I was exercising, man. Yeah, I was exercising. Now, I was out there walking the hills over on the uh, north or the northeast side of uh, Las Vegas, exercise hill. It's a huge hill that uh, I'm trying to uh, get in shape, lose some weight, you know, do all those type of things. So, Saturday, I was doing that. Sunday, I went to the LVAC, did the treadmill, and um, I was just too exhausted, basically, to uh, do my show. On Monday, I really was. I didn't do any preparation over the uh, weekend. So uh, because of that, I faltered. And while I was still in the exercising mood, I just said, hey, man, I'm going to have to take a week off and get back to it as far as doing my podcast next week. Now, that is no excuse. Um, I'm not saying it's a dog ate my homework type of deal in the podcasting world, but this will be the last time unless something tragic or an emergency happens that I will not be doing my podcast. So I can do two things at one time. I hope I can walk, chew gum, do a podcast and work out. All at the same, well, not all at the same time. That would be difficult. But I mean, all in my one life that I have, one life to live. And I'm not talking about Jesse or uh, the other girl. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So that with that out of the way, with that out of the way, let me go ahead and uh, talk about the program today. Look, I'm going to hit this once. I'm not going to get into it because, basically, man, I don't care. Right now, I just don't care. The big news coming out today, Lamar Jackson wants to be traded. I don't care. I really don't care. I'm not going into that. I'm not going to do 35 minutes on it. I'm not going to do 20 minutes on it. I'm not doing any type of minutes on it in terms of where's he going to go? What's going to be happening with the Ravens? Is he going to resign? When is he going to be traded? Should they trade trade him to a team in the AFC or the NFC? Is Lamar Jackson, would you trade him if you were the Baltimore Ravens? I'm not getting into all any of that stuff, man. Until something really concrete happens where something is going to happen or a team emerges truly that is really interested in Lamar Jackson or unless Lamar Jackson can um, calm down on his uh, contract demands because he wants a Deshaun Watson type deal. And, and, and Unless something more concrete than rumor and innuendo or just simple-minded chatter happened because we just can't get enough of the NFL. I'm not going down that road, man. I'm just not I don't I don't care at this point. The same thing with Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. How many flipping times can we talk about what well, how 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 well Aaron Rodgers is going to do with the New York Jets. How many times and how many ways can we be speaking about, well, are the Jets going to be better off with Aaron Rodgers? Can Aaron Rodgers repeat what he did two years ago? Is Aaron Rodgers at the end of the line? Are the New York Jets going to be Super Bowl contenders if they get Aaron Rodgers? What's going to be happening with the skilled players around Aaron Rodgers? What do you think is going to be happening with the coach if they get Aaron Rodgers? How much pressure is going to be on him to succeed now that they have Aaron Rodgers? Is Aaron Rodgers going to have the type of rejuvenation in terms of his career that's going to have him become an MVP candidate again how many years can Aaron Rodgers play with the New York Jets enough enough I don't care <laughs> I just don't care and I don't care about speaking about it in March just like the rumors and innuendos in the scuttlebutt in the and, and, and the chatter about, ooh, Lamar Jackson has to be traded until Lamar Jackson again. It's on the precipice of being traded when a team emerges for real that is interested in him. Then I will speak about Lamar Jackson. If that happens in June, I will speak about it in June. If it happens in July, I will speak about it in July. When something concrete and for real comes around, not only... With Lamar Jackson, but also with Aaron Rodgers? Man, I'll be glad to talk about it. I'll be then glad to open up that Pandora's box about what does it mean and all this other nonsense. Be glad to. But as of right now in March, no. No, I'm not going to. And you know what? I spend about four minutes too much speaking about that nonsense. So, there you go, man. At Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. Wendell Wall so glad that you could be with us. Look, I understand that the NFL is king. I understand that while I love the NFL, I love the NFL. My life on Saturdays, excuse me, on Sundays during the fall is about the NFL. I get it, man. I understand it. I understand the obsession. I love it, man. But man, I don't want to hear about this nonsense in March. One of the reasons why I invest so much time during the NFL season for 16 weeks, 4 months plus The reason why I invest so much time and energy and effort and concentration is because when the season is over, when the Super Bowl is over, I don't want to hear about the NFL. I don't want to talk about the NFL. I don't want to watch another football game. I'm dancing in the streets like Martha and the Vandellas. I'm dancing on the ceiling like Lionel Richie. I'm doing the James Brown, the kitten, playing Funky Chicken too. Why? Because, doggone it, I finally have my Sundays back. So, I'm not interested. I don't care about rumors and innuendos about the NFL in March. Now, if you speak about September, October, November, December, yeah. And leading up to the NFL draft, we want to speak about that. We want to speak about who's going where. We want to speak about the quarterbacks. We want to speak about potential trades. Yeah. Okay. But I can't talk anymore about Bryce Young being 5'10". Newsflash. He didn't grow to be 6'2 and 230 pounds. I can't talk about C.J. Stroud. I can't talk about Anthony Richardson because guess what? At Florida, he still only started 13 games. Guess what? He's still inconsistent. And guess what? He's a freak of an athlete. I can't speak about Will Levis. Because guess what? I can't change 2022. And neither can you. 2022 happened. 2021 happened. Which Will Levis is going to show up? 2021 Will Levis to the NFL? Or 2022? I don't know. And I don't care enough to speculate. I didn't watch enough Will Levis games to sit there and say that I have a defined answer in terms of which Will Levis is going to show up and play football in the NFL. I don't know, and it's March, and I already spoke about it, so until something changes, I don't care. As we now move on to eight and a half minutes of me speaking about this nonsense. But seriously, man, I don't care. I want to get into something that we don't talk about enough, that I don't talk about enough. That's something that I used to talk about all the time. Something growing up as a child that I loved almost as much as the NBA. Something in terms of what I always dreamed of doing and playing as such. I want to get into a little college basketball. I want to get into a little March Madness. I want to speak about the Final Four because, as you notice, I haven't spoken anything really about the NCAA tournament. I haven't really. had not really crossed my mind. And and, and to be honest with you, I haven't, A, been watching as many games as I should, and, B, when I watch them, it's not with the same interest. It's not with the same passion. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's a situation where I'm getting older. I've... As Isaac, as I have explained it before, the fact that as of right now, or I'm sorry, this past season, the past two seasons, the past seven seasons, the past eight seasons, the Georgetown Hoyas have been garbage. And one of my reasons for loving college basketball like I do is because of the Georgetown Hoyas. My dream growing up, growing up, in Silver Spring, Maryland, in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, where to play for coach John Thompson at Georgetown University. I grew up in an area that not only had John Thompson at Georgetown University, but also had Lefty Drizzle at the coach in Maryland, as I spent a couple of uh, years, a couple of summers in 78 and 79 at a sleepover camp. I think I still have my John Lucas autograph along with Ernie Graham. Somewhere, somehow, I don't know where it is, but it's it's somewhere. So, yeah, that, that, that built That foundation was there But that foundation has crumbled Maybe because of age Maybe because I'm not in the area of any of anymore Maybe because of other things Maybe it's just because of the uh, just, just life, you know, just life uh, Moving forward, who knows I don't know, but, you know my, my love for March Madness started to peter out Maybe 12, 15, 13 years ago So, you know, me watching the Me watching the NCAA tournament And having the fervor having the fever, having the passion to be speaking about college basketball has really left. And maybe it's the changing landscape of um, the way we speak about sports because, as I mentioned before, you turn on the Mike Greenberg show every morning and, goddamn it, if they ain't talking about Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson and, and the Dallas Cowboys over and over and over again, same thing, I haven't watched the Shannon and Skip show in, in, in how many Uh, years along with the Nick Wright show so I don't know what they're talking about but at least on the talking head shows on ESPN for the most part all they're talking about is the NFL and Aaron Rodgers no one talks about college basketball anymore so I'm going to spend a little time I'm going to take a little time If I can amuse you just for a moment, because I want to speak about some college basketball. Now, unfortunately, this will probably be the only time that I will be speaking about college basketball unless I'm speaking about my Georgetown Hoyas. But for the most part, I want to just talk about this tournament because there was something that was interesting that came to my mind when the final four was finally, you know, was finally completed and the teams were in the final four. And even watching this tournament and even watching this college basketball season, even though, again, was a bystander in terms of my interest level for college basketball. Yes, I watched every Georgetown basketball game, which makes me one sick puppy who must really like some form of torture and loves watching my eyes bleed. But I watched every Georgetown basketball game and when I found out they stunk, I started watching just a little bit more basketball because I came to the realization, or I started watching more college basketball because I came to the realization that Georgetown's not getting any better. So, you know, I, 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 I still somehow, some way, still want to uh, watch uh, college basketball because I, I still do enjoy the sport. But um, watching this tournament and watching the, the, the teams play, the most unique. Unpredictable, underwhelming Final Four is what has been formulated now when you speak about the NCAA tournament. Florida Atlantic versus San Diego State. Miami versus Connecticut. The Elite Eight on Saturday. Florida FAU beat Kansas State. UConn destroyed Gonzaga 82-54. I'm thinking, let me sidetrack just for a quick second, man. I was thinking about this. Has Gonzaga had this run? And when I say, has Gonzaga had its run? I'm talking about being a top three, top four program. Has Gonzaga peaked in terms of what they did under Mark view when um, they went to the NCAA championship game uh, where they were basically one of the best, if not the best program in America, right up there with Villanova. A situation where you could say only a few years ago they were a better college basketball team at that moment than Duke, than Kentucky, than the Blue Bloods. I'm talking about being at that level. Has Gonzaga now peaked and now they're just going to go back to where they were before? Now, where they were before, they're, they're, they're never going to go to the first incarnation of what we know now as the Gonzaga basketball program because they're no longer that, oh, that small little Jesuit school in Spokane, Washington, who, ooh, beat the big, mighty Blue Bloods and David versus Goliath. No, 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 no. Gonzaga is way past that. But am I thinking now that Gonzaga is going to fall back to being a team that Reaches maybe the second round of the NCAA tournament because of the conference that they play in. They'll always be in the NCAA tournament because with the exception of uh, St. Mary's that, uh, you know, those are the two teams that are the class of the uh, WCC and those two teams are top 25 programs on a consistent basis So it's no longer a matter of Gonzaga winning a tournament Or winning the regular season for them To qualify for The NCAA tournament but I'm just thinking You know that the days of them Getting the Chet Holgrins of the world The Jalen Shrugs of the world the, the national recruiting that they Did for a few years where they Were going out and getting four and five star Recruits are those days For Gonzaga over because they had a great little run for the school that they are. in the location that they are. in the conference that they play in. But man, this beat down by UConn 82-54 in a game that really wasn't that close. I'm just interested to see moving forward now what Gonzaga has in terms of have they fallen by the wayside of being one of the elite programs in college basketball. Still a very good program. Still a very good program. Still a team that could reach the Elite Eight, a team that could reach the Final Four, but to do it at the level and the consistency, there was a situation, there was a time now for a couple of years that Gonzaga, you expected, it was a situation where, look man, if Mark Few doesn't win an NCAA championship, if Gonzaga doesn't win an NCAA championship, the season is a failure. There was a time if Gonzaga didn't make it to the Final Four, the season was considered a failure. Are those type of expectations now like, okay, Gonzaga's going to go back to where they were before. And this was almost like the last hurrah in terms of the remnants of Gonzaga being one of the best college basketball teams in the country. So I'm just wondering, just throwing it out there, just want to run it up the flagpole and see if you salute. So on Saturday, the first uh, two games of the Elite Eight, FAU over Kansas State. UConn over Gonzaga. Then on Sunday, San Diego State beat Creighton 57-56. I'll get back to that game in a second. Miami over Texas 88-81. Let's rewind and let's talk about San Diego State. Creighton, let's talk about the last play of the game or the game-deciding call that was made by the referee. Here's my deal. And here's where, after watching the aftermath, here's where... I think Barkley, Charles Barkley, Chuckster was all over the place. Maybe he was thinking about another diss on, on Kevin Durant. But, but this is where I think that he, he kind of went wrong and where Jay Wright kind of nailed it. In terms of, was it a foul? Yes. And Gene Sabatov was speaking about, look, if it's a foul, it really doesn't matter what the circumstances are. If it's a foul, you got to call a foul. I don't care about the situation. Fair enough. But here's the thing where Jay Wright was speaking about and what I was speaking about. Not that I'm at the level of Jay Wright, of course, but but here's my deal. And I've heard coaches say this before. The problem is, with that call that was made the last part of the game, that foul, that foul was made maybe four or five times during the game, and it was not called. So what we're looking for here is consistency. Consistency. If that's a foul, that's a foul. And if it's a foul at the end of the game or at the beginning of the game or the middle of the game, it needs to be called. Okay, but here's the situation. At the beginning of the game, that was a foul and it wasn't called. Halfway through the game, that was a foul and it was called. Second half, that was a foul and it wasn't called. So what are we doing here? Where are we going here? That's the key. Now, if you're going to be inconsistent, You got to be inconsistent one way, so at least giving the teams that are playing a little opportunity to say, "Okay, this we can get some type of rhythm going here in terms of what the referees are calling. If they're quote unquote letting us play, then okay, then maybe we'll have that opportunity to put that hand on that on the on that waist on that shot because that call has not been made because we've been doing that all game long. So if you've been doing that, whether it was Creighton. Or whether it was San Diego State, the fact that they were making those type of defensive plays that were quote unquote fouls, but were not being called fouls. All of a sudden now you can't take a look at that and say, yeah, that was a foul. You got to call that. If you weren't going to call, if you're going to call it now, why in the hell didn't you call it earlier in the game? So if you're going to let quote unquote these guys play and you're going to let them be physical and you're going to let a little hand check go you cannot make that call at the end of the game you can't do it just like if you're going to call every ticky tack foul if you were making that call on a consistent basis that's a foul that should have been called Creighton I don't want to hear it but as Jay Wright said the inconsistencies was what drove, in you know, am look, I have no horse in a race, I don't care, I like Georgetown, it doesn't matter to me, so it was just a situation where it was consistency, right, that's all we want in life, consistency, right, all we want to know is what we're going to be doing, what we're getting into every single day when we wake up and try to conquer this this, this crazy, topsy-turvy world we call life, right, please just give us some consistency, Please, if I'm driving down the street and I go past a cop and I'm driving 75 in a, if I'm driving 77 in a 75 and he lets me go by, then cool, then I guess it's okay for me to go a couple of miles above the speed limit. But then don't let that same cop pull me over a couple of days later when I'm doing the same thing. Because wait a minute, if if you pulled me over on Friday, why didn't you pull me over on Wednesday when I was going the same speed at the same location? Same thing with that call. If you're going to call it, if you're not going to call it in the first half, second half, or whatever, once you decide on a consistent basis, now you could say, hey, you know what? I should have called it in the first half, or I should have called it that one time. It was a miscall, my bad. I should have called it, but if it was something consistent to where they weren't making that call, then all of a sudden you make that call at the end of the game, shame on you. I don't care. I don't think the referees are sitting there talking about, well, if I don't make this call, then I'm not going to get points or I'm not going to be able to uh, work the uh, championship game or anything like that. I-, I just thought that for some reason, whoever made that call decided that, well, in the first half, it wasn't the foul, but now I guess it will be. So I don't know. Maybe it was the pressure. Maybe it was a situation where, look, Either way, the guy was going. To get, the referee was going to be criticized. Either way, that call is going to be scrutinized. Because if he doesn't make that call, then people are going to be whining and complaining about why that call wasn't made. And it would have been regardless of who would have won the game. Because if that call was not made, Creighton gets the rebound, the game goes into overtime, and San Diego State wins, then that call really is uh, null and void. It's really not a talking point. But because it did decide the game, then it's going to be spoke about. So that's my, that's my deal on that, man. If you're going to call that shit in the first quarter, make sure you call it at the end of the game. If you're not, then uh, don't do it at the end of the game. Miami comes back and beats Texas. I think out of all the teams that I watched play, Florida Atlantic was an exciting team up and down. But uh, Miami, I think, had the best athletes. Miami had the best ballers, shall we say. Um the most attractive players in terms of style and play and such. Um I would expect Utah not Utah UConn, excuse me, to, to win the whole doggone thing, but who knows? So that's our um that's our final four. Florida Atlantic versus San Diego State, Miami versus Connecticut. Hmm. No Duke. No Kentucky. <laughs> no Kansas. No Villanova. No Gonzaga, no, mm, mm, no number one seeds, no number two seeds. No number three seeds. What's I mean? Do you have any interest in this? Of the over 20 million brackets, tournament brackets on ESPN, you know, they did the old who's going to win and this, that, and the other. 20 million were filled out. Only 20 have a per- perfect record so far in predicting this. Who would have known? My guess or my suggestion to you guys, the 20 who predicted... Florida, Atlantic versus San Diego State and Miami versus Connecticut for U twenty. Go play the lottery. Because uh, you know, your your odds are some odds or something else. So Yeah, man. It's uh <laughs> best description for this tournament so far. Come on, man, give me something. What's your thoughts? What's your feelings? Are you eh? Are you excited because isn't that what the tournament is all about? It's all about the upsets. That's what makes March Madness so awesome. That's what makes it such a great spectacle. Even the fools who sit there and talk about, that's what makes makes March March Madness the best, uh, most compelling drama on sports, in sports. Because you never know. You never know when David is going to beat Goliath. You never know when the major upsets are going to happen. I've always said that that stuff is great. That stuff is wonderful. That stuff is awesome when it happens in the first round. It's always awesome when it maybe happens to maybe one blue blood, possibly two, maybe. If Duke loses in the first round when Krzyzewski was coached, oh man, it's unbelievable. If, um... Kansas loses in the first round. Ranked number three during the regular season, champions of the Big Twelve Conference and tournament champion. And oh my goodness, Bill Self lost. I can't believe it. That's 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 woo. That's that's great. That's awesome. That's what makes March Madness so wonderful, so fantastic. But when everything is all said and done, almost all the time, one of the blue bloods win. This is the first time that I can say that we don't have anybody resembling or any team resembling a quote-unquote blue blood in the final four. Maybe if you would have gone back seven, eight years ago, maybe if you would have gone back, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago when Jim Calhoun was at the helm for Connecticut, maybe you would say Connecticut, but ever since they won the title in 2014, they haven't done anything. Kevin Ollie disgraced himself. They went to uh, Dan Hurley, who's done a fantastic job, but... I don't think at this point in time Connecticut would be considered a blue blood. So now you've got San Diego State first time in the uh, Final Four. You've got Miami, who's known more for the U back in the eighties of their football team. You have Florida Atlantic, m- maybe known for its location and by the beach, of course, more than your uh, than your uh, basketball squad. And you have uh, and you have UConn. So who are we going with? Who are we dealing with now? Where are we going? What's your thoughts, man? What's your opinion on this? Are you going to watch? Are you going to watch because you're excited about watching a bunch of teams that you've never heard of, that you don't have any knowledge about, that you have no history on? I don't care, man. You could be a great college basketball fan and all those type of things. Don't tell me that you're sitting up there excited as hell to watch Florida Atlantic play San Diego State. Maybe just for the novelty of the fact that, wow, this is a situation where you may not be able to see something like this again, where you're going to have basically two mid-majors squaring off in the Final Four against each other, and both of those teams deserve to be there. They didn't back their way into anything. They earned the right to play in the final four. One of those mid-majors is going to be representing their school in the final game to win an NCAA championship that has been reserved for blue bloods like Villanova and um, Duke and North Carolina and teams from the uh, Big 12 and from the Power 5 Conference. Now you're talking about there might be a NCAA basketball championship champion from the Mountain West from the team that uh, that, uh, you know, a mid-major, a mid-major program and a mid-major conference. And I don't give a damn about, yes, yeah, San Diego State, They were 30 and two a couple of years ago and blah, 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 and blee blee blee. My definition of a blue blood in college, in college basketball does not fit the one of San Diego State. They're not getting the top tier recruits. They don't have the biggest basketball budget. They don't have the history. They don't have the fan base. They don't have the national recognition. They're not recruiting nationally like the blue bloods are. So for me, that does not define San Diego state as a blue blood or a top tier basketball program. Doesn't mean that they stink. Doesn't mean they can't win games. Doesn't mean that they can't have a successful program. But if I'm UCLA, there's no excuse. None. Zero. To have San Diego State in the Final Four and not UCLA or have San Diego State be a better basketball program than UCLA. I'm not saying that is, but what I'm saying is is that you can't be a school in the Pac-12. You cannot have the resources of Oregon And sit there and be like, yeah, well, you know, San Diego State has a better basketball team. You can't have Phil Knight writing checks. You can't have the facilities. You can't have the owner of Nike be one of your biggest donors and supporters and have San Diego State be a better basketball program than you. Unacceptable, inexcusable. That's what I'm talking about in terms of big-time programs. There are no big-time donors in San Diego State. They have no history. What's the history of San Diego State? Michael Cage and Kawhi Leonard. So it's it's interesting. I don't even want to want to get into Florida Atlantic. I mean, this might be their one shining moment, and they go back to being Florida Atlantic. Thirty three of three, fantastic, wonderful, awesome. You, you you do you know anybody on Florida Atlantic? Do you? Do you? Do you know where Florida Atlantic is? Do you know anything about Florida Atlantic? Are you interested in learning about anything about uh, learning anything about Florida Atlantic? Because I'm sure not. <laughs> and I like the game of college basketball. I have no interest. So uh, it, I'm just going to be look. UConn, Big East, interesting. They were a team that earlier in the season I think started off uh, hot. At one time, they were um, the number one ranked team in, in the country. I believe they were one of the last teams in college basketball. To uh, lose a basketball game, then they hit a little bit of a skid, but uh, you know they come from a major conference, they come from a power conference. Um, they should not be losing to Miami, and they should not be losing to the winner of Florida International, Florida, Florida uh, American, or what is, what is what is this called? FAU and uh, Florida Atlantic in San Diego State. See, I care so little about Florida Atlantic, I just forgot their names. So yeah, interesting and. In a season where there's there's a, there's a change, man. I want I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk about that here on Wendell's World of Sports, the podcast with yours truly, Wendell Wallace. For the first time since 1970, do you realize the Final Four will have three first time participants? Do you realize that for the first time in NCAA tournament history, that all of the number one seeds lost? And I'm not talking about in the Elite Eight. and I'm not talking about in the Sweet 16 in terms of all of the number one seeds. Alabama lost to San Diego State in the Sweet 16. Houston lost to Miami in the Sweet 16, a game that Miami was clearly better than. Kansas lost in the second round to Arkansas, 72-71. to 71. You could talk about Bill Self not being there and Norm Roberts, this, that, and the other. But not, bottom line, Kansas lost to Arkansas. Inexcusable, unacceptable. Purdue losing to Fairleigh Dickinson in the first round. And I and I think also when people go, ooh, ah, uh, isn't this great? Isn't this, isn't this wonderful in terms of the upset when a number one seed loses? Like, this is only the second time it's happened where a number 16 seed has beaten the number one seed. Um, when uh, UMBC, University of Maryland Baltimore County beat Virginia at the number one seed, that was something that we could celebrate uh, we could celebrate because it was virginia virginia under tony bennett discipline plays defense very good program boring as hell they they're, they're the equivalent of watching paint dry they're the equivalent of you're being punished go up to the blackboard and write a 100 times i will pay attention in class they are the equivalent to sit in the classroom during detention and you're not going to be able to play during recess. And we'll turn on the Virginia game to make it even more horrible for the experience. So when Virginia, while they are an extremely good team, and an extremely good program, with an extremely good coach, uh, losing and having them out in the playoffs ain't going to move the needle. Now Duke, without Krzyzewski, that's moving the needle in the opposite direction. Kentucky losing, when they were ranked number one and they have all of these one and dunners who are going to be lottery picks, them losing as a number one seed. That would be a, that would be a, um, a, a needle mover in the wrong direction. So Purdue was another one of these teams that I don't think anybody really cared about. When Duke had Zion and RJ Barron and stuff, if they lost in the first round, oh man, that sucks. When Kentucky had Anthony Davis and all those guys, did they lose in the first round. Oh man, that would suck. Uh, when you would have a team that might have the number one pick on the best player or the best uh, team in the country, and he's been highly ballyhooed in crossover appeal and all that type of stuff, and he loses in the first round, oh uh, well, you know, that that sucks. But Purdue, name somebody, in, name somebody from Purdue that's like, ooh, man, he's exciting. Name somebody on Purdue's team that's like, ooh, man, I've got to watch him play. Name somebody on Purdue that's like the male version of Caitlin Clark up there in Iowa. You know, the answer is nobody. So when they lost, it's like, okay, really didn't know too much about Purdue anyway. As long as the uh, Dukies and as long as Kentuckys, uh, keep went in and Alabama keeps went in, then, you know, hey, fantastic. And Alabama, when they lost, it's almost like, well, okay, back to spring football. Very nice. And, and let's hope that Brandon Miller can use a little bit of better judgment and not be such a fucking dumbass and bring a gun or some fucking maniac thug piece of garbage you need to spend the rest of his life in prison will be murdering somebody. Let's let's see if that clown who is a lottery pick can make better decisions. I'm a lottery, I have a chance to go to the NBA, earn millions upon millions of dollars, but one of my homeboys on the basketball team says, hey, come get, come bring my gun. No, that's okay. That's okay. I'm gonna keep it real. You keep it real stupid in prison. So, that whole deal. I'm, I'm kind of glad, A, that Alabama will and B, uh, Brandon Miller didn't have a good... Um, Turney because karma's a bitch. There's a twenty three year old uh, woman who was murdered and now her child does not have a mother. And we don't know where the father is. So um yeah. Sorry if I'm not feeling sorry for Alabama uh and, and Brandon Miller in in that regard. So huh, the first time, man, the first time this is it's just it's just a new era. It's a new era. That's what I thought about when you're speaking about college basketball. Remember the last 20 years? What do we think about when we thought about college basketball? And we still do because of its staying power, because of its excellence, because of its history. Of course, we're going to still remember. But man, remember back in the days when you had teams and players and coaches dominate college basketball like Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, Michigan State, Kansas first few years or for, for a few years uh, Gonzaga Re- remember when what did you think about 5, 10 15 years ago even 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 something like 4 or 5 years ago 3 years ago what, what did we think about when we thought about college basketball who did we think about what was the first what was the first thing that came to your mind When I spoke about college basketball Or what you thought about college basketball Coach K Roy Williams Tom Izzo Bill Self John Calipari Jim Boeheim I'm here to tell you That era is over I think the era of Kentucky dominance Is over I think the dominance of the college basketball landscape when you're speaking about Duke and North Carolina, I think that's over. I really do. Because, look, John Sire did a great job. John Sire and Calipari and Duke and Kentucky, they're still having top-tier recruits. They still have five-star recruits. They still have outstanding talent coming their way year after year. And you don't win with X's and O's more than Jimmy's and Joe's. So, from that perspective, of course, Duke isn't going anywhere. Of course, Duke is going to be one of the better teams in college basketball. Of course, Duke is going to have the opportunity to win championship. Of course, Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and those other blue bloods. Of course, of course, they're still going to be good. No doubt about it. But just those years of just dominance where it was almost like a fatal complete that these programs and these coaches were going to dominate the landscape of college basketball, I think those days are over. Now, when you lose a legend like Mike Krzyzewski, when you lose a legend like Jim Beheim, when you lose a legend like Roy Williams, when you lose an almost legend like Jay Wright, when you've got the last remaining years of a Tom Izzo, when you've got Bill Self, we, we don't know what's going to be happening with him. When you have these iconic figures in the game of basketball either exiting exiting the game or on their back nine of their careers, of course there's going to be a change. And now you throw in the situation where you have NIL, you have the transfer portal. Now these guys or these teams that recruit the five or six top five players, you know That a few of them, if they don't get the playing time that they want, are going to transfer. Now you know if they don't get the NIL deals, now they're going to maybe go somewhere else. And now you know that a player who might be at a San Diego State, a player who might be at a Miami, a player who might be at one of the mid-majors or one of the lower-tier, high-major-one-division-one schools, Who are on the basketball team. Maybe there's a player in Washington or Washington State. Maybe there's a player at Georgia Tech. Maybe there's a player at DePaul. Maybe there's a player at Ole Miss. Maybe there's a player at Penn State. Who might be good enough to go to the NBA. But it's kind of iffy. He's going to come back to college basketball. Why? Because he's got that NIL money. So now coaches, yeah, they have to take a look and say, dog, going at the portal and the way that people can transfer or way that players can transfer now keeps me on my toes. And I have to recruit, I have to keep re-recruiting the players who I recruit and play for me because of the easy access to uh transferring schools. I have to work just as hard with them than I do with kids in um high school that are trying to recruit. And I also have to pay attention to the transfer, transfer portal. If I have to get a rumor, if I get an innuendo, if I get um, someone uh, through the grapevine telling me that this player who I recruited a few years ago, where it came down between me and the school that he chose, all of a sudden now that, 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 that player is thinking about possibly transferring because of A, B, C, D, whatever. I have to start paying a little bit more attention to that. All of these things that are swirling around now with College basketball, it means that the old school fellas, the Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewskis, those type of coaches are gone. Those type of coaches who are going to be successful now are gone. Now is a situation where you have to be young, you have to be energetic, you have to be adaptable, you have to be flexible, you have to do all those things. It's more now of a player's game than it is than a coach's game. Now is a situation where, guess what? As a coach, you can't tell a player you can't go to this school or you can't go to this school in this conference. You can't do that anymore. You can't threaten a player saying you better do this, that, and the other or else you're not going to be playing for this team anymore. I'm going to take away your scholarship. Now, and it's not just basketball either. It's football, it's baseball, and any of the collegiate sports that are giving us scholarships. Now that bullshit doesn't work anymore. Now coaches don't have that type of control. And what did Roy Williams, and what did Tom Izzo, and what did Jim Boeheim, and what did Jay Wright, and what did Mike Krzyzewski, and what did Bill Self, Self, how did they learn their craft? They learned their craft in a time where NIL did not exist, when player movement and player freedom did not exist. So now this is a situation where, again, because of these things, the landscape of college Basketball is changing. Now you have to realize, now you have to ask yourself this question. Someone from my age group, someone from my generation, and maybe a generation uh, before me, now we have to think about and say, is this the basketball that we want, or is this the college basketball that I'm going to enjoy playing? Is this going to be the situation where I can enjoy this as I get older? And as I had more responsibilities and my love for the teams that I grew up on and the changing times and the knowing that uh, John Thompson, the knowing that our lefty Drizel, knowing that the, the, the coaches that I grew up watching and one of the factors why I became such a big college basketball fan for the longest of times. Those personalities, the Louis Carnasecas, the Raleigh Massaminos, the, the John Thompsons, the, the Jim Beheim, the, the Lefty Drizzelles, the the Gary Williams. These type of guys, these guys no longer exist. These guys no longer have a place in the game of college basketball today. The, the, these coaches who stressed education and stressed uh you know the the, the um, what's going to be happening if you don't get an education in college the the walking into the coach's office and you see the, um, the the basketball without any air, the flat basketball, which was a symbol of saying you need to stay in college and you need to go get your education. That stuff no longer exists. That bullshit no longer exists. A coach now is no longer a father figure to that player. That coach's job now is to get a player to the NBA as quickly as possible, and if you don't do it, I will go somewhere else where I can. I don't want to hear about college education. I don't want to hear about a de- Agree. I don't wanna hear about earning my spot. I don't wanna earn I don't wanna hear any of that nonsense. How much time am I gonna get at the beginning of the year as a freshman and what are you gonna to do to make sure that I'm a lottery pick in six months? Because if you can't promise me that, I don't give a damn if you're John Calipari. I don't give a damn if you were Mike Cheshevsky, I don't give a damn if you were John Thompson, I don't give a damn who you were. If you can't promise me that, it's time for me to go somewhere else. New landscape of college basketball. Those coaches that I just mentioned, those icons that I just mentioned, those coaches and the college basketball that I grew up on and loved, that no longer exists. Now this is the way it is. Are you going to enjoy it? Are you going to enjoy watching possibilities where there might be other San Diego states, Florida, Atlantics, and mid-tier, lower-tier schools that are non-basketball powers in the Final Four? Maybe blend it in with a Duke. Maybe blend it in with a Kentucky. Maybe blended it in. It's always a little bit better because that's where you truly get that David and Goliath. Where you're speaking about, okay, now you've got something to play for. Because there's a lot of times that short Pete, St. Peter's was an aberration. Davison, was Steph Curry was there, was an aberration. George Mason was an aberration. VCU was Shaka Smart a few years ago were an aberration. Sure, every, every blue moon, every, every once in a while, you get a uh, school that is not used to doing anything, all of a sudden make it to the uh, Elite Eight or maybe sometimes the Final Four. But thank goodness gracious that you would have a blue blood. That you would have someone that you recognized. Which would truly then be a David versus Goliath type of of of, of, uh, of game. And I guess the closest thing that we've gotten to that that I can remember is Butler versus Duke. And they had what Gordon Hayward on their team that was the uh, lottery pick. So it's, it's, it's an ever changing world in uh, college basketball. And um, like I mentioned before, the uh, <laughs> the Final Four is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. So speaking about speaking about college basketball, there's an iconic program that I want to talk about, and an iconic program from the past, where guess what, the identity, the signature brand, the iconic the iconicness of a certain generation of that basketball program. It is dead. It is dead. It is dead. It is Undertaker dead. I'll tell you what that program is and I'll tell you why I am so flipping excited that that program, that that brand, what we know about, what we grew up on, what we idolized, what we are now attached to. I'm so glad that brand is finally dead. Time for this break for me to re- <clears throat> to remove some phlegm as I'm building another program and gem. Myself being the podcast and equivalent to the God Kim. So don't sweat the technique of this podcast and fiend. If you do so, you'll end up like Robert Sarver and Daniel Snyder losing your team as I take away your heart and your self-esteem. Wendell's World of Sports, a sports talk podcast that I hope you've heard of. If so, go ahead and spread the word from the California city of Torrance to the Italian city of Florence. My podcast is just one marvelous performance with more upside than Trevor Lawrence, It will be quite abhorrent to criticize or minimize this show that is as dominant as the cupo of Giannis. More of a bad boy than Isaiah Thomas when firing it on all my Detroit Pistons. My podcast reaches great prominence so you don't believe what you're hearing or seeing? Go visit your local optometrist. Every moment you will be regretting when you think about upsetting or messing with a man whose podcast is as soulful as Otis Redding. So these arms of mine will not be inclined to try a little tender. If you don't give me my proper respect So I would be circumspect not to come too correct To the guy who will leave you sitting on the dock of the bay Thinking of all the times you've lost your way, you'll have those dreams to remember from January to December that you were never a contender for the title of Top of the Heat, your podcast nothing more than an ear sore with a host that's full of heartache, misery, pain, and grief. So as I return to chatter about the current matters in the everyday of sports, enjoy the rest of the show named Wendell's World in Sports. Welcome back Wendell's World of Sports I'm your host Alright, welcome back uh, Talk to him James Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host Wendell Wallace, so glad that you Can be with us Mentioned before about the Program that had a change The program that many people Knew about, the program that rose To prominence Global brand almost The Georgetown basketball program That we know of my generation that I grew up loving, one of the main reasons why I became a basketball fan, it's dead, baby. John Thompson is gone, and now everything in terms of the program that he built in his image is now gone. And guess what? Celebrate good times. Come on. And it's, it has nothing to do with Coach Thompson. It has nothing to do with Coach Thompson. One of, my, one of my heroes. One of my idols. One of the greatest days of my life. When as an adult. A full-fledged adult. A man in his 40s. Working at a radio station where John Thompson was doing his show with 980, the team. With Doc Walker and, um, oh, I forgot. Rock, Doc Walker and, it uh, wasn't Al Coke, I forgot who it was. But here was a man, a grown man and myself. Who waited the entire day for John Thompson to finish his radio show so I could walk up to him and make a complete fool and imbecile of myself by saying, hey coach, I just want to uh, say, hey man, you know what, me and my dad, when I was young, watched you growing up, You're I'm a big fan of yours, love what you do, and uh, this, that, and the other. And he was like, yeah, that's great, son. Glad to hear it. Glad glad, uh, glad for you. Now it's time for me to go to the casinos and uh, hit them slots. So uh, yeah, good looking out. The, the, the fact that I got a a a a brush off in a very nice way, I mean he didn't say get the fuck out of here, but he was just like, you know just finish my show, I want to play my slots really don't have time for chit chat, really don't have for like, oh yeah coach, you're the greatest, yeah great, okay, uh-huh, fine, wonderful good for you, I mean it was just one of those where look, it's time for me to play my slots thank you very much, but uh, I've got to go no time for small talk, no time for flattery thank you so much, but I'm out I waited 8, 9 hours just for that for me to say something to John Thompson and it was worth it. And boy, that, that, that brother was big. And good Lord, that, bro, that brother was charcoal black. So it was a situation where, Woo, coach, you were bigger than I thought and you're blacker than I thought. I remember the first time I saw Coach Thompson, I was 15. Uh, what was I? 15, 16 years old. And I was playing summer league at Sidwell Friends High School down in the uh, district. And I was playing for my high school team, Good Council High School at the time. And we were playing a summer league game. And we were playing Flint Hill, I believe it was. And I was up there playing against Dennis Scott and Sam Jefferson. And I don't think Aaron Bain was playing. But basically, I know half these people are sitting there talking about, who the fuck is he talking about? You should know who Dennis Scott is. Dennis Scott, when he was a freshman in high school, was 6'6", 230. (laughs) I mean, Dennis Scott was big. He was always big. But uh, he played for uh, Flint Hill, Stu Vetter at the time, and uh, summer league game, and uh, you know I was at the foul line, uh, getting ready to box out, and guess who stepped in the uh, the, the hallway or the door, to kind of watch for a few seconds? It was John Thompson, and man, as a sixteen-year-old, I was starstruck, man. You know, I was starstruck. So uh, Sam Jefferson almost dunked on my head. I was kind of like, oh. Wow, there's Coach Thompson. Oh, shit, I better box out somebody. So, uh, yeah, so John Thompson, Georgetown, goes all the way back, blah, 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 blee, blee, blee. Yeah, man, John Thompson is the man. John Thompson is the man. So when I'm saying that, thank goodness, that the Georgetown Hoyas have finally moved away from the era of John Thompson. Hoya paranoia is officially dead. I'm saying that in terms of finally... Good. There's only one Coach Thompson. There's only one Coach Thompson who could have built a program like he did. Now, yes, his son took it in a little bit different direction. But still, he was a Thompson. Everybody associated with John Thompson from the basketball program at Georgetown University nowhere in attendance when Ed Cooley was named the new head basketball coach of my Georgetown Hoyas. Cooley, formerly lifelong residence of Providence, Rhode Island, 53 years old, leaving New England for the first time in his professional career, uh, 1994. Graduate of Stonehill College, held an assistant coaching position at UMass Dartmouth, Stonehill, Rhode Island, and bought college before being named a head coach of Fairfield in 2007, leading the team to a 92-69 record in five seasons with one in IT appearance, then in 12 seasons at Providence. Has one Big East tournament title, one Big East regular season title, three NCAA tournament wins, and a record of one eighteen and ninety nine in Big East. Now, before you start sitting there talking about, and Wendell, wait a minute, you're dancing, to, you're dancing the jig. Wait a minute, you're going on a week long celebration. Wait a minute, you're going through all of this for a guy who has, in twelve years of Providence, one Big East. Conference tournament title, one Big regular season title, and it, and is one eighteen and ninety nine is nineteen games over five hundred and twelve years in it's three and six in the NCAA tournament, and you're up there speaking about you, you're acting like you know that they, they, that Mike D'Antoni was put in a time machine you know, about twenty five years ago and now he's gonna be coming to the coach. You you're acting like somehow, some way that the ghost of John Wharton is coming down to coach this basketball team. Wendell, why are you so doggone excited about Ed Cooley being the head coach of the Georgetown Hoyas basketball team? My Georgetown Hoyas basketball team. Because first of all, number one, it's not lo- it's no longer Patrick Ewing. That's that that's great. But when you also take a look outside of Dave Davitt and Rick Pitino who else has won at Providence we're talking about Providence Rhode Island we're talking about one of the best conferences in the NCAA we're talking about a school in Providence Rhode Island going up against the Villanovas and going up against the other power teams in college basketball and Cooley has got them to where they're winning basketball games at the rate that he has Come on now, could you imagine when he's going to be going into a gunfight now with a real gun and not with a uh, peace shooter? Providence has had 14 winning seasons in conference play during its 44 years in the Big East. Ed Cooley has been the coach for eight of those 14. Yeah, he's had a three to six record in the NCAA tournament. Okay, but three of those wins are against the same or the same amount of uh, tournament wins that Providence had in the previous twenty four years. After Rick Pitino left the Fires program to uh, coach the Knicks from two thousand and four to two thousand and twenty three, Providence made it to the NCAA tournament seven of those nine years with Ed Cooley as their coach. Don't tell me that a guy that can win in Providence can't get the job done. At Georgetown University, with their with their alum, with their NIL deals, with their facilities, and with their recruiting uh, 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 grounds, or the, their their, uh, their their places to recruit. The uh, you don't don't tell don't tell me that Ed Cooley cannot get the job done uh, at Georgetown University when he's already gotten the job done at Providence. So come on now, the vibe around the program. Has changed. Did you see that press conference? Oh, it was glorious. I watched it about three times. It was glorious. It was the home run. And look, I understand. I know. I know. You don't win games by winning the press conference. I get it. But man, let's let's just go ahead and let's think about this program. Let's let's, let's, let's think about the Georgetown Hoyas basketball program just for a minute, because I think about this program every single goddamn day. The 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 the, the program had become. And embarrassment. The program had become irrelevant. The program had become inept. The cro- the program was close to becoming DePaul. To where you could get into a situation. Remember DePaul. For those of us old enough. We remember DePaul of the old days. Right? When Ray Meyer was coaching. Right? Or even. Let, let's throw out another one. Let's throw out another school. You remember UNLV, right? The days of Jerry Tarkanian right? You, you remember those days, right? Right? You you remember how dominant those programs were back in the eighties, right? Of course you do. You remember the Barker Guires of the Paul. You remember those teams. You remember the Larry Johnsons. You remember the NCAA championship UNLV running rebels, right? You remember that the team in the early nineties, right? You remember that. Where are they now? What impact do they have on college basketball now? Now, you could be sitting there talking about, well, you know, UNLV is UNLV and the college and other things and where they play and the city and all this kind of stuff. I shouldn't call Las Vegas a city. It's not a city. It's a really big town. It ain't a city. It's a really big town of two, over 2.5 billion people, still a really big town. But, um, you know, UNLV is never coming back to prominence in college basketball. Never. Never. It's just not. They will never sniff the type of success that they had in the 70s and 80s under Tarquinian. They're just not going to. 89 was about as far as it got, and that's about it. They're not going. Even with the changing landscape of college basketball right now, even if we see teams like Florida Atlantic and, and, and Miami and San Diego State, who's in the same conference as UNLV make it to the final four. UNLV is never going to get there. DePaul has been a a a a clusterfuck and a dumpster fire now for over a couple of generations. Joey Meyer was terrible and they go through coach after coach after coach. They went to the biggies hoping that they would improve their uh their, their chances of recruiting, going to Chicago and such. Chicago's right down the street from DePaul. Chicago is their recruiting base. They can't get anybody. They can't get anybody. The days of DePaul being DePaul that we knew growing up, those days are over. Those days are gone. Those days are never coming back. Never for DePaul. DePaul will never. Sorry, Tony Stubblefield. They will never compete for a Big East Championship. They will never compete for a regular season championship. Never. Never. Georgetown was close. Real, real, real close to being where the Paul and UNLV are right now in terms of irreconcilable, in terms of ever being relevant in college basketball again. Ed Cooley gives them a chance. Ed Cooley gives them an opportunity. Ed Cooley, doggone it, is a flipping basketball coach. <laughs> that's what. That's that's one of the things that made me so excited. He's actually a basketball coach. He's actually a guy who enjoys coaching college basketball. He is a guy with experience coaching college basketball. He didn't take this job because he couldn't get a job in the pros. And he wanted to scratch an itch to be a coach somewhere. Ed Cooley is a proven winner, veteran of a high Major basketball program in a high major basketball conference, and he's done it for over a decade. He brings instant credibility to the program, to the school, to the fan base, to the university, the, the alumni, to the town, to the city itself, and surrounding areas. That's what Ed Cooley brings. I don't give a damn if he ain't Mike Krzyzewski. I don't give a damn that he's not uh, Mark Few. I don't give a damn that he ain't um, Bill Self. I don't care. I don't care because he's competent. He knows what he's doing. And for the last six years, we had a coach in Patrick Ewing who was a halfway decent coach. But as a college basketball uh, builder of a program, he did not know what the fuck he was doing. He had no idea what he was doing. And it showed. And it showed when you have 26 players leave your program in six years, when you have a revolving door, when you don't have anybody graduating from your program and you don't have anybody being drafted, you don't have anybody being in the pros, you don't know how to build a college basketball program. Patrick Ewing did not know a lick about building a college basketball program and it showed. It showed it showed it showed. It was embarrassing and it was time to go. It was time to go. So we brought in someone who knows what they're doing, man. And I'm I'm just excited. And it's a situation where it's a brand new day. Look, man, you can be an asshole and you can be secretive and you can be non-inclusive And you can be all those things of a basketball program if you're good and if you're winning. You know, when Georgetown was Hoya Paranoia and Thompson didn't allow any interviews and he was very um, secretive and he was very protective of his players and all those type of things. uh, When you're winning and you're doing the right thing and you're graduating players and you're representing the black community like John Thompson was. Then you can get away with being a little bit nasty. You can get a little. You can get away with being uh, a little bit paranoid or a lot paranoid. You can get away with those things if you win. But if you ain't winning and you're embarrassing yourself, and then on top of that, you're acting like you're one of the top tier programs in college basketball that ain't getting it done. <laughs> that is and and the apathy and just the just the overall disinterest in the program, not just nationally, but just in the Washington, D.C. area. By the, ne- by the end of the season, nobody was covering Georgetown. The Washington Post wasn't covering Georgetown. The Washington Times wasn't covering Georgetown. Hell, the university school newspaper wasn't covering the team. You had guys who were going to college to become journalists who were like, that ah, Georgetown, yeah, never mind. The, the basketball program, never mind. We'll go ahead and we'll uh, follow the, uh, the, the, the soccer program. They're winning championships. We'll go ahead and follow them. I mean, it was nothing. Georgetown did everything humanly possible to turn themselves off to any interest and that they kept losing and losing and losing. It just became more of a situation where it was like, it's becoming untenable in terms of what we're going to do moving forward. We made the right move. Do I expect Georgetown to make the tournament next year? No. Do I expect Georgetown to compete for the Big East title next year? No. Do I expect miracles from Ed Cooley in his first year where you have another six players uh, 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 enter the the, uh, portal for Georgetown? Brandon Murray just decided he was going to transfer along with Primo Spears, along with Malcolm Wilson, along with Jordan Riley, and along with uh, Deontay Bass in uh, Denver, England. They decided to put their names in the transfer portal. So I don't know who the hell is coming back from Georgetown next year. I don't know who's going to be on the team. You got Ryan Batombo. You got Wayne Bristol. Uh, you got—I uh, don't know who else. There's, there's about two or three players on the team that's coming back. Good riddance for those who are leaving. Good riddance. You guys over the past two years were two and thirty-eight or two and thirty-nine in Biggie's play. You guys damn near lost thirty regular season Biggie's regular season games in a row. You guys now own the record by a a mile in terms of the most losses in Biggie's play as far as consecutive is concerned. Do you really think I give a flying fuck if those guys come back? Good riddance! Out with the old, in with the new. I hope you guys go so go somewhere. I hope you graduate and get your degrees. I hope you fulfill your potential as basketball players. But you ain't going to do it at Georgetown because it's time for us to win. And we have a man in Ed Cooley who knows how to win. And I can't wait to see him take advantage of the... Uh, um, the the positives that come with taking this job, because, sorry motherfuckers, this still is a big time job again, when you speak about the area for recruiting, when you think about the players that they can get in the DMV when you think about the uh, amenities when you think about the, the pay when you think about everything that the alumni, or when you think about everything that the university puts into its basketball program, when you think about the conference that they play in, and you think about the history of the program, yes motherfuckers, this is still a dog gone good basketball program to be as far as the coach is concerned and now since Ronnie Thompson is no longer going to be there the, rest, the last remnants of the John Thompson tree that has been severed now is time to get the job done now is time now is time and Ed Cooley is going to get us there he said that you know what we're not going to win a little we're going to win a lot oh yeah oh yes I love it Oh, I can listen to that press conference again and again and again and again. I love it. Absolutely flippin' love it. Woo! Man, so it's a new era in Georgetown basketball, man. And I am am giddy. I am giddy, 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 giddy to the moon. So it's going to be a situation where how many of the recruits that Cooley, uh, signed or they pledged to uh, go to Providence. How many of them are going to decommit and follow Ed Cooley to uh, Georgetown? How many of the current players from Providence are going to transfer to Georgetown? The assisting coaches uh, for Ed Cooley at Providence, how many of them are going to go with him to Georgetown? In fact, I think there is one um, where he's already pledged that he's going to, uh, one of the assisting coaches, he's going to be going with Ed Cooley to uh, Georgetown and he is very well known. He has great ties to the Washington DC area in terms of the high school, the AAU coaches and such. Uh Ivan Thomas, I believe that's his name. The coaches from the AAU's, the coaches from the uh the uh, local community in DC, they were at the uh, press conference for Ed Cooley and they were very much impressed because guess what? Ed Cooley's going to go out there and he's going to he's going to uh form a relationship with those guys. He's going to form a relationship with Team Durant. He's going to form a relationship with Boo Williams. He's going to form a relationship with all of those AAU teams that are just dripping, that are just overflowing with players who can help bring Georgetown back to relevance. And I am excited. Very excited for that to happen. So... Yeah. I'm taking a look at the roster right now for Georgetown. I'm going about who's gonna be on the team. The current players, we got Ryan Batombo, Bradley at the world, uh, Marvell Allen, and Jay Heath. That's about it. Again, Denver Anglin, Jordan Riley, Amir Spears, I mean um uh, uh Spears, uh Deontay Bass and Malcolm Wilson. All gone. Primo Spears, Deontay Bass, Malcolm Wilson, all in the portal. Bye. See ya. And like I mentioned before, a couple of days ago Brandon Murray said that um, he's putting his name in the uh, transfer portal also. So Cooley at the press conference was talking about, hey, I'm going to meet the uh, current players, see if uh, they fit my style. This is what he said that just made me so doggone giddy, that made me just so doggone happy. I want to see if they're going to be able to play for me. And when he was speaking at the conference, he was talking about, we're going to get players who are going to want to graduate, who are going to play hard, who have some grit, who have some toughness, and who can play for Ed Cooley. I'm looking for players who can play for me, not the other way around. It doesn't work that way. I was like, yes, coach. Yes, coach. Yes, coach. Sing it, coach. Preach it, coach. That's what I'm doing, coach. That's what I'm talking about, coach. 13 and, 13 and 49 the last two seasons. 13 and 49 overall and 2 and 39 in Biggie's play under Coach Ewing. Of his 40... 41 scholarship players from 2017, 2018 through the end of the season, 25 has have transferred. Their academic performance record, their academic performance rate, or should I say APR, in 2021 ranked 349th out of 357 Division One schools. Come on, man, come on. It's time for a change. And again, I'm not asking for miracles. I'm just asking for competence. And from that, I'm asking for a gradual improvement. Ed Cooley is our guy to do that. You know, switching to the NBA, man, you know, what? What's, what was once a formality in terms of an award all of a sudden is in jeopardy and three might not be a charm. You know what I'm saying? Last segment of the podcast. Last segment of the program, Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. We're recording this on a Monday night, man. I'm still juiced up from uh, speaking about my Georgetown Hoyas, man. Speaking about Ed Cooley. We all have that, don't we? Come on, man. If you're listening to this podcast, I don't give a I don't give a doggone. I don't give a cahoot a where you're listening where you're listening, man. I mean, I don't care what age you are. Man, there was a reason why you became a sports fan. If you're listening to this podcast, you are not a casual sports fan. I don't speak casual sports. I don't speak guy talk. I don't sit there and talk about, uh, the girl who, who's the best looking female and, uh, what's your favorite Olive and what's your favorite movie and, uh, this is where I went last night. I don't spend too much time talking to them about that bullshit because it's all about sports, man. It's all about me loving sports. It's all about me spo- speaking about sports. And when I speak about sports and my voice starts to raise and I get a little animated, this is no bullshit man I'm not joking I'm not fucking around I'm not acting I'm not doing any of this stuff man it's a situation where I'm passionate about this and there's like certain like teams there's certain players there's certain incidents there's certain events that brings out that emotion still 50 something years later And Georgetown basketball is right at the top, man. One of the reasons why I became a fan of sports. The reason why I love sports. Because of my father and because of teams like the Georgetown Hoyas, because of Magic Johnson, because of the Los Angeles Lakers, because of Letty Drizelle, because of Albert King, because of Lem Bias, because of Kirby Puckett, because of Warren Moon, because of Andre, because of Eric Dickerson, because of Yvonne Lendl, because of John McEnroe, because of Sugar Ray Leonard, because of all those guys, because of Muhammad Ali. Man, these are the reasons why when my voice kind of raises and I get a little bit excited, When I mention these names, man, and here I am, hell, I'll be another, I'll be 80 years old. And someone will mention the name Led Bias and it'll stir something, some emotion in me. Someone will mention Magic Johnson and it'll stir an emotion in me. Someone will mention the Georgetown Hoyas or the Washington, I don't know what they'll be calling themselves now. What are they now, the Commanders? Or the Washington football team and it'll stir something in me. And I don't care, man. I don't care. You 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 have to have something in terms of you being a sports fan. There has to be that player. That has to be that team from your childhood or whatever, man. That just makes you like, like it. It, it just brings out something in you, man. It brings out the the, the passion. It brings out the fire. And uh, that, that's my Georgetown Hoyas. So you know, sorry y'all. this that's the way it is. You know, I mean, if if you had kids, and you know, if you have kids and stuff, I'm quite sure it's like you know what. If I had kids, my my son would be a basketball fan and a Georgetown Holy Basketball fan. Sorry, that's just the way it is in my household, boy or girl. I don't give a damn. Guess what, son? Guess what, daughter? Guess what, Marcus? Guess what, Felisa? Guess that that would that would that would be the names of my kids if I had any. <clears throat> but it would be like, hey, look, you know what? You're watching Georgetown Holy Basketball with me. You're watching the NBA with me. You're watching football with me, you're going to be watching college football, you don't have to watch all day, you don't have to watch an entire game, as far as football is concerned, but you are going to share my passion of uh, basketball, you are going to share my passion of football, and you are going to understand what it means to be a passionate football fan, or basketball fan, or Washington Commanders fan, or Georgetown Hoya basketball fan, or whatever, and as you get older, you just say, ah, nah, dad, I'm moving on to something else. Cool, but you will be experienced to it. You got that goddamn right. Again, if I had any kids. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Okay, so I teased the fact that three times might not, might not be a charm. Now, I was going to record this uh, podcast after I watched the Denver Nuggets play the Philadelphia 76ers. I was hyped. I was excited because I had the opportunity I thought to watch Joel Embiid go up against Nikola Jokic. And that this could have been for Joel Embiid a guy who has desperately wanted to win an MVP award. Jokic is kind of like yeah whatever. Whatever. Really don't care. But Joel has been very vocal and outward about his desire to win an MVP. And I thought in a situation like this, if Joel could have another type of performance against Nikola that he had the last time that these two teams played in Philadelphia, where Joel dropped 40-something points and 17, 18 rebounds and completely outplayed the Joker and win for Philadelphia, that it could be the final nail in the coffin for Jokic to win his third MVP. Well, guess what? Uh, Embiid didn't play tonight because of a calf injury, and James Harden didn't play tonight because uh, he's been out for a little bit. So it's like, you know what? Why in the fuck am I going to watch this game then? I don't want to watch this game. You 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 told me that uh, you didn't tell me, but I was anticipating Embiid versus Jokic. As far as an individual award is concerned, this could be almost like game seven equivalent to who wins the MVP. And all of a sudden now, we ain't going to get that, the two best players and two best big men in the game. And uh, we're not going to get that. Screw you, I ain't watching this. I ain't watching this shit. So it's like, ah, uh, you're thinking about the MVP award. Look, early in the season, midway through the season, up to the All-Star break, it was a situation where, look, it was pretty clear that the Joker was the odds-on favorite by a lot to win the MVP. Now, it's interesting because when you take a look at the two seasons that he won it before, compared to the season that he has now, this might be the best of the three. But I think it's a situation where some of the voters are getting uh, 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 fatigued in terms of Joker winning the MVP, especially when you think about this is the best team that he's been on. If, if, if any of the three seasons, this season and the past two, you would be considered the most worthy of winning the MVP, it would be this one. Not only for a fact that he's almost damn near averaging a triple-double over 20 points, about over 10 rebounds, and about 10 assists per game. Not only that, it's the fact that Denver has the best record in the uh, in the Western Conference. Now, it could be a situation because the Western Conference is so weak that Denver is winning this going away by default, but yet and still, Jokovic, what what, what do we think about mainly when we speak about MVPs? We speak about the best player on the best team. Well, the best player on the best team is Nikola Jokic. Now, you can also make an argument, the best player on the best team in the league is Giannis Antetokounmpo. But still, we're talking about, again, a guy who has won two MVPs in a row. So I think a lot of it has come with fatigue, And also, the narrative, there's there's no new narrative. I speak about this all the time in the NFL. You know, what is going to be an important situation when we speak about the MVP of the league? Now, why hasn't Patrick Mahomes won it more? Why, why um, has Russell Wilson not won it? What are we looking for? Where are we going with We're looking for new stories. We're looking for something interesting. Why didn't Jordan win the MVP more? Why didn't Kobe win the MVP more? Why didn't LeBron win the MVP more? Why do we always have this, yeah, he might have won the MVP, but if you were starting a team, you would pick this guy, or yeah, he might be the MVP of the league, but the best player in the game is, right? Didn't we say that for the longest with uh, Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, you know, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP, but the best player in the game is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, uh, you know, Steve Nash won the MVP, but the best player in the game is Kobe. Or the best player in the game during that time was Shaq. Or, yeah, Derrick Rose won the MVP, but the best player in the game is LeBron. So why don't we give LeBron? Why don't why don't we give MJ? Yeah, Barkley won it in 91, but we all knew who the best player in the game was. Yeah, Carl Malone won the MVP a couple of years, but yeah, we all knew who the best player in the game was. So why didn't we give the MVP to Jordan? Because it's a boring narrative. That's the reason why. It's a boring, boring narrative who cares we've already seen this we already know how good he is give us something give us something better give us something that we can really sink our our teeth into give us something so it's a situation where it's the same thing with Nikola Jokic Joel Embiid Joel Embiid has been dominant and also I think it's also a situation where it's like what's your flavor for for greatness well, what is it? What is it going to be? Because there's two different ways in terms of um, defining greatness, or defining the dominance, or defining an MVP. Right? I mean, you have a situation where you have Nikola Jokic, who is going to beat you with. I wouldn't say. Finesse, because he's not a finesse player. But, you know, his game is predicated on, um, oh, I don't even want to say thinking either. I don't want to say that either, because that, that, that wouldn't, that wouldn't I, don't, I don't want to say, I would say, how about, how about this? Nikola is more of a fundamentally sound player, even though Joel Embiid, if you take a look at his footwork, is next level. But 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 Jokovic is not going to bowl you over. Djokovic is not going to just just be that menace, the dominance, the physical dominance that Joel Embiid has. Now both are very effective. Now one is going to run you over the score basket. Another one is going to shoot over you or go around you with finesse, in grace, in footwork, in fundamentals. But ex- but exclude the physicality that a Joel Embiid will have. Joel Embiid is the most dominant player physically in the game today. I don't think there is anybody outside of a of an injury-free Stephen Adams that would have any chance whatsoever in terms of stopping Joel Embiid physically of getting to the rim of dominating the rim. He's the modern-day Shaquille O'Neal. If you think about Joel Embiid's dominance over the past couple of years. So so how does that equate in terms of the MVP race? When you take a look at someone like a Nikola Jokic in the way that Jokic is used in Denver's offense. Basically, he's the point center. He'll bring the ball up, bring it to Jamal Murray, sit at the high post, look for cutters, do all those type of things. He'll go into the low post. He'll get the ball in the low post, for the most part, he's looking, he's catching, he's looking, he's thinking, he's passing, he's moving the ball. He's playing the beautiful game of basketball. He's playing a European big man game of basketball. Joel is more of a dominant throwback type of player. Yes, he has a game to where he can put the ball on the floor. Yes, he has a three-point shot, even though I'd like to see him take a little bit less three-pointers. But yes, he, he has the footwork. Yes, he can catch the ball at the high post. Or yes, he can take the ball at the elbow. Jazz step, pump fake, one or two dribble, spin move, uh, dominance. Yes, he can do all those things. But his main deal is going to be based upon strength and based upon girth. And based upon strength and dominance. How do you equate the MVP that way? How do you decide the MVP that way? Interesting. Man, very interesting. So with the NBA, man, this 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 MVP race, there could have been there could have been a strong conclusion to the end of this story in terms of who wins the MVP. Because on Friday against the against the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, Jokic was pretty damn good. Now Giannis scored thirty one, ran out of uh, gas near the end of the second half. Or at the second half, you got to remember that. Um, Milwaukee was playing back to back, second of a back to back, scored 144 against Utah so you go from Utah to the uh high uh mountains or the thin air of Denver, Colorado. They played a really good first half when you speak about the uh when you speak about the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis was getting anything that he wanted to around the rim. He had what 20 something at halftime. Most of those were mostly dunks and layups. Second half, Denver met their physicality. I think that uh, I think that Milwaukee started to wear down, and um, Denver pulled away. It was a strong performance by Jokic. Definitely, was not a dominant performance by Jokic. Um, again, Kupo ran out of gas in the second half, but it was a situation where it was kind of like, okay, um, we, we there's a little bit more clarity in terms of the difference between Jokic and Kupo. But like the the needle didn't move either way. I mean, I don't think Jokic increased his lead after that game as far as the MVP race is concerned. I don't think that Giannis caught up or made any ground on Jokic moving forward. So, I was interested to see now, um, basically, what it's going to be between Embiid and Jokic. And, well, Embiid isn't playing, so... So disappointing, very disappointing. I want to end with the uh, Dallas Mavericks. I would like to end with something concerning the Eastern Conference. But, uh, you know, there's just stuff about Jalen Brown. And he might be getting a little squirrely in terms of, hey, man, I don't know if I want to re-sign with the uh, Celtics. Wasn't there rumors this summer about possibly being traded to uh, Brooklyn for Kevin Durant? Uh-huh. Loyalty, L-O-Y-A-L-T-Y that's how you spell loyalty I don't know, fuck it I don't have spell check so yeah so I'll, I'll get into that nonsense a little bit later but um, yeah man the Denver the uh, the, the Dallas Mavericks oh, hmm, I told you look I'm not blaming all of this on Kyrie I'm not blaming all of this on Kyrie but wherever that motherfucker goes man trouble just it's not, it's not just trouble it's just drama now you have Luca speaking about, hey, look, man, this season has not been easy. I'm dealing with some personal stuff um, that's been affecting my play and this, that, and the other. And when we say affect the play affects his play, not only is it affecting his play, it's also is affecting his demeanor. He had, what, 15 technicals, had to miss a game. He had 16, but one of them was rescinded. Um, it's a situation where, look, man, he's going through some shit, and at 23 years old, he ain't ready. He ain't ready to be that guy. He ain't ready to be that leader. He's a great player. He's an awesome player. He's a top five player. Without question. Um, But, you know, there's still some growing up to do. There's still some maturity that he has to do. There's still some pains that he has to do. There's still some heartache that he has to do as a basketball player going through uh, the steps. Look, man, it took LeBron seven years to uh, win a championship. It took MJ seven years to win a championship. It took Shaquille O'Neal seven years to win a championship. It took a little while for these great players, for a lot of these great players. It took Shaquille O'Neal for Kobe Bryant to win his three championships. And then after some genuflecting by going through the doldrums after they traded Shaquille O'Neal, it took those hard times and the acquisition of Paul Gasol before Kobe finally became the player uh, that he was as an overall teammate. So it takes time, and it took Jerry West over 10 plus years to uh, win a championship. Not everybody can be Tim Duncan and Bill Russell in terms of winning championships right off the bat. And at least Tim Duncan had David Robinson and a veteran core for him to win a championship. So it's it's a situation. It took Will Chamberlain seven years to win a championship. So for Luca, man, it's just part of the process. You got to go through a few more heartaches. You know, you got to go through a team that is the champion, whether it be. Golden State whether it be Denver whoever it may be whoever is going to emerge as the team for the next couple of years in the Western Conference whoever that team is going to be the Mavericks are going to have to go through that team to face their to uh to, to, to face their demons and to exercise the ghost of not winning a championship. And Luca is going to have to go through that nonsense. He's going to have to go through the pain. He's going to have to go through the heartache. He's going to have to go through all the difficulties that came with Jordan trying to get by the bad boy Pistons, with LeBron trying to get by the uh, Boston Celtics, with uh, Jerry West trying to get by the Boston Celtics. It's 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 it, it's a situation. It's a, it's it's a progress. You know, it's it's uh, it's something that those guys are going to have to go through. So. I think they're doing well. I think they're blowing out Indiana tonight. But, man, they lost to uh, Charlotte. They were getting booed at home. It was just, wasn't good, man. It wasn't good. So, we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. All right, I am done. I am out of here. Want to thank everybody for listening to my program. Remember, man, let's go ahead and see what we can do to uh, light follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. Give me some likes, give me some loves, give me some all those good things so I can continue to give my heart and soul and everything into this podcast. So um, that would be great. As always, please do what we need to do to make this world a better place by listening, learning. To so for people who do not look like you, people of a different race, people of a different face, different gender, different side of the tracks, different religions, different everything, man. Treat them with respect, please, and learn from them so we can move forward in this community. If we could do that, that would be great. Wouldn't we? I say so. Get me out of here, man, with some music.